These are handwritten notes from former CIA director John Brennan, written according to a source familiar after Brennan briefed President Obama. At one point, Brennan writes, quote, approved by Hillary Clinton, a proposal from one of her foreign policy advisors to vilify Donald Trump by stirring up a scandal claiming interference by the Russian security service. The notes say on 28 of July, in the margin, Brennan writes POTUS, but that section of the notes are redacted. Then it says any evidence of collaboration between Trump campaign and Russia. The remainder of the notes are redacted, except in the margins where it says J.C., Dennis, and Susan. That could be referring to former FBI Director James Comey, former Obama Chief of Staff Dennis McDonough, and former National Security Advisor Susan Rice. In other words, and we'll get into this a little more later, um, the entire Obama administration knew that Hillary's campaign was trying to promulgate this fictional story that Trump was in bed with the Russians. But then, instead of uh, getting to the root of it or solving it or whatever, the Obama, Obama administration, in the person of Comey and Clapper and the rest of it, joined in on the ruse. Really unbelievable. Yeah, I got something to say about that, but more on that later. First, Wendy Williams trying to say coronavirus or something. Oh, President Trump, don't be afraid of Cornova. Don't let it dominate your life. Sir, are you serious? We are here, out in the field. We are frightened of Cornova. Oh, over two. You got it, so we could get it. How can that possibly happen? <laughs> She's trying to say Corona. There's no V in it whatsoever. <laughs> Cornova? I know she has uh, some mental illness issues. And she's a drunk, I think. Yeah. Uh, she got like uh, the adult, uh, uh, what do you call it, that you can't read? Dyslexia? Mm. Illiteracy? Illiteracy, oh. yeah. Is she illiterate? I don't know. Mm. Um, I mentioned the poll numbers earlier. Attractive looking woman, though. The more work, the better. That's what I say. <laughs> I mean, if the first four plastic surgeries don't do the trick, don't chicken out now. You know? Go for the gold. Get that fifth. Uh, I get killed every time I mention poll results. Yes. You and your poll results. Which polls? All of them. Okay. It's a snapshot in time. (laughs) I know it is. Anyway. Latest poll that's out from CNN fits with several other polls that have come out in the Crap last week news or so. Network. Mm. Several polls have uh, Biden now leading Trump nationally by between 12 and 16 points uh, after the debate last week. Uh, it's 16 in the CNN poll. That's bigger than most, but there's been a 12, there's been a 14. Wall Street Journal poll, uh, Monmouth poll, others, so... It would appear to have grown since the debate. Also, Pennsylvania, at least in this poll, is now 12 points to the Biden side. 12-point lead for Biden, Pennsylvania. If that's, if, if you know, if it's six points, if it's half that, it's going to be damn hard to close the gap in four weeks. But Indeed. We'll see what happens. On the other hand, Jack, life is defined by us overcoming things that are damned hard. Isn't it? Sure it is. All right. Uh, 538, which looks at all kinds of averages and projections, currently gives the Democrats two and three chance of taking back the Senate. Oh! Biden's elected. D's take the Senate. Things are going to change fast and radically. I my assume friend. the D's are keeping the House in this scenario. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And probably increasing the majority. Yeah, things are going to change radically in a way that I am going to hate and be paying for for the rest of my life. 
Yes. I wish there was something I could do to stop it, but I don't know what that would be. Yes, we will rapidly become Great Britain. The unemployment rate fell to 7.9% in September. The new numbers are out, down a half point. Much lower than a lot of the projections were early in the pandemic. Remember when we were hearing about 25, 30% employment for the rest of the year? It's now Uh 7.9, so that's good. Uh Yep. But the pace of the economic recovery is slowing as long-term unemployment soars and job losses become permanent. Long-term unemployment, that's people out of work for 27 weeks or more, that'd be half the year or more, increased by 781,000 last month to a total of 2.4 million. On one hand, we thought the unemployment was going to be worse. On the other hand, we thought we are going to flatten the curve for like a couple of weeks and have this behind us. Right. Yeah, the uh, we're not doomsayers around here. Uh, we try to call them as we see them, but I was very troubled by the announcement that Boeing has announced that the market for a number of their jets, including some of their bigger jets, is going to be depressed for years. Therefore, they will not be employing nearly as many people as they had previously thought. All those people go to the local grocery stores and department stores and get haircuts and, 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 and buy donuts and... and the rest of it, and all of that will have an insidious ripple effect on the economy. And the economy, at the risk of stating this for the millionth time, is a huge determiner of people's health. So the idea that it's health versus the economy is an idea weighed only by idiots. Much more complicated than that. Debate at 6 o'clock tonight? Oh, I can't wait. Is it another 90 minute? 6 o'clock West Coast, 9 o'clock East Coast. Is it another 90 point, a 90 minute or? With no commercials? I think so. Ain't nobody got time for that. Jack, here's a fascinating fact about the VP debate. Both the candidates will sit, as yeah. is traditional. Why? It's why very do, tiring being vice president. Why do Veeps sit for the debate and the main people stand? I can't imagine. It's more laid back. It's a little more homey, a little more personal. Why wouldn't you want that out of your presidential debate? No friggin' idea. <laughs> None. Hmm. It's tradition, Jack. Kamala... When she was running for president, the more she was exposed to people, the less people liked her. Yes. If she does that whole one-tone lecturing, shaking her head thing that she does, yeah. oh, that's going to be a long 90 minutes. That's a long day right there. Well, she has two tones. Indignant head shake and giggling. Yeah. You know, if I were not uh, drying out at this point, I'd, I'd drink every time she giggled. You're drying out. <laughs> and I would have to do the show from home in between dry heaves tomorrow i would i would drink so much how long have you been off the sauce oh a week and a half how long are you planning oh minimum two weeks and this is a dry house you're now living in like a dry county yeah exactly oh yeah yeah i will put judy in cuffs if i catch her with any intoxicating beverages no it's it's half a uh being nice to our livers and half a weight loss thing but you're doing the crystal meth (laughs) well yeah a a little pick-me-up when i'm feeling a little logy you only get addicted if you if you if you don't handle it right. And <laughs> be, has anybody got any? And before we uh, take a break, and then we'll do all the important stuff Joe mentioned. I came across something I would actually buy if I was super rich. I don't dream of being super wealthy. Um, when I was younger, I thought it'd be cool to be rich. I don't. I no longer care or about that sort of stuff at all. I just I don't know. I, I hope that means I've reached some sort of level of something in life that's positive but i just having stuff means nothing to me whatsoever i would still like to be rowboat on a helicopter on a yacht rich (laughs) i would buy this though if i had unlimited money 
Um, the T-Rex skeleton, <laughs> one of the most famous, called Stan in the world, sold for $32 million. If oh. I had unlimited money, I would have bought that for my kids. Needless to say, I would have a grand foyer in my mansion, and there'd be a friggin' T-Rex right yeah. there when oh, yeah. you walk in the door. Yeah, one of the most complete skeletons in the world. And, of course, I would have a wax figure hanging from its jaws. <laughs> i got to believe that holds its value pretty well, too. A T-Rex skeleton? Unless someday, they're not making any more. Unless someday they're, like, digging for a mall and they find, you know, 500 them, of them piled on top of each other. Right. Uh, your T-Rex skeleton's going to hold its value pretty digging well. Digging for a what? <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> a, a what now? No, I hear you. Movie uh, theater, you know, mall, that sort building. of thing. The hypertube link <laughs> thing. Making a record factory. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, I I want a T Rex more than I can possibly communicate to you, but that is a little pricey. <laughs> I'll bet you could get a convincing replica for fifty grand. I don't want a convincing replica. I want the actual bones. <laughs> Sorry, purist over here. I want the real T Rex. I apologize. Right. I want to. I want to. Beethoven himself isn't playing the piano. You don't want to go to the symphony. I want to think about the 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 enormity of. T- Time between it living and me being alive and what that means and everything like that every time I look at it. You can't get in that headspace looking at a replica? A plastic T-Rex? Let me give you some math. No, see if that seven helps. years old. Yeah. Yeah, what's, what's that? That's no cool. Please, I can see Made in China on his tail. Put Pretty on cool a head. T-Rex. Oh, it's got little orange tips on its teeth, so you know it's a replica. <laughs> That's funny. Um. So anyway, that stuff you mentioned, which I don't remember what it was, but right. I thought it was Plus, interesting. nature fights back and cruel and unusual punishment in today's American prisons. And something you haven't heard about the Corvona yet that you probably Cornova? should. Cornova? Is that what she said? Coronavirus! Isn't that the uh, the latest uh, product from Chrysler, the you Cornova? See, the WAP girl can say it right. Anyway, all that stuff's on the way. So this is Eddie Van Halen playing with Michael Jackson. Right. Okay. Did it for a case of beer and dance lessons to be collected at a later date. Hmm. <laughs> he, uh, apparently the Van Halen made an agreement uh, amongst... Here's, here's the solo. Sh- I would have said... This uh, is Eddie getting warmed up. I said, hey, Michael Jackson, I'll do it for a case of beer and you stay away from Wolfgang. Oh, boy. Oh, <laughs> Oh, unfortunate, Jack. Really, probably a little distasteful there. Next time you're playing golf and you're surrounded by a herd of elk, run, run for your lives. That story come out and coming up. Also, beloved children's song used as cruel and unusual punishment in the United States. A tuneful constitutional battle. Man, there's so much stuff I'd like to get to today, but it's just... And you know what's funny? not going to hear any of it on the mainstream media. They're just going to be, well, they're talking about Eddie Van Halen, which is great, but just Trump this, Trump that, gossip and garbage. Gossip and garbage, ladies and germs. I would like to uh, thank uh, Paul for sending along some really interesting information. We've been going heavy this morning on uh, uh, undiscussed aspects of the COVID thing and the misinformation that's going on and, and the just dumb politics of it. Um. The first thing Paul does, he's talking about uh, college kids and, and and COVID deaths and the rest of it. And he opens actually making a, a bit of sport, Jack. If you're 
alien death ray uh, oh, metaphor for the uh, the COVID yesterday that I don't even recall. I don't think uh, I could the particulars re- of it. Can't but. relive that. Right. Uh, here's another apt analogy. He writes: Your parents are in their 80s. Mine are in their 70s. Imagine if they contracted a disease. The doctor tells you they will die unless they get a particular treatment. The treatment succeeds in many cases, but not all, and it is expensive. How expensive? Well, it will require you to take a debt on so large, you'll pass it on to your children, and they may pass it on to theirs or go bankrupt under its weight. Oh, I like where he's going with this. I'd hate to lose my parents, but I couldn't saddle myself and my children with that sort of debt in the hope of giving my parents a decade or more of life. And one thing Paul doesn't actually pose is, what if you asked your parents no, they'd what say, they no thought way. of the idea? No way. Don't do it. Don't now, this do is going to decimate the grandchildren's no, finances, no, perhaps, no, for life. Forget it. Are you kidding? And in this scenario, they probably have a 90% survival likelihood, because that's what Trump's was. Right. Well, he goes on. This is what we are doing as a country. We are incurring debt that we have no chance of paying off in this generation and will pass on to our children. But in our case, the disease is not a debt sentence. No doubt it is serious, but it is currently killing 28% of its patients over 80 and 7% between 60 to 79. God bless those those fine people. We are incurring a multi-generational debt and making our kids crazy to save some of those 28 or 7%. This is madness. It is the sort of decision that few would make in their personal lives, but remove them far enough from the cost and you'll get all sorts of people clamoring for a shutdown in government stimulus. I don't know a single old person that would say to their kids, their grown-up kids, devastate yourself financially because I've got a 30% chance I might die. And that's for the very old. Right. It's a 10% chance I'm going to die for anything under, like, 75. I don't know any old person who would say that to their kids. Well, and such is the nature I want you to have to move into an apartment, and uh, you're really going to struggle for the rest of your life. But there's a 10% chance I'm going to die. Yeah, your dreams, forget them. No, no, I don't know anybody who would say that. Well, parental love being what it was, you'd take a bullet for your kids, much less not saddle them with horrific problems to avoid a, well, uh, I'll say in the scenario of being between uh, 16 and 79, uh, a, a one in... 12 chance? 1 in 13 chance of croaking. Anyway, well, and that's, I'm sorry, that's if you get it and you're hospitalized. Below, writes Paul, are the Washington State numbers I cited for the rates. He he helpfully provides links and the rest of it. I appreciate your thoroughness, Paul. Yeah, that is a good point. That's if you get it. Yeah, um... Uh, etc. But not every person is going to contract it. Plus, some people likely have immunity already by some fluke of genetics or they've already had a mild case. For example, 10% of people are naturally immune to HIV, which I did not know. Uh, zero to 19 years old, there is less than a 1% chance of hospitalizations if you, if you get it. And a less than, a, well, it's 0.024% chance of death. Practically none. And and those are entirely, almost entirely people with, with serious underlying conditions. If you don't have them, forget it. You're not going to die. It's almost impossible. From 20 to 39, it's a under 3% chance of hospitalization, a under one-tenth of a percent chance of death. 40 to 59, less than 9% chance of hospitalization if you get it, and less than eight-tenths of 1% chance of death. That's 40 to 59. 60 to 79. You're less than 25% chance of hospitalization if you get it 
and less than a 7% chance of death. Now, those are numbers that are chilling and would be scary if you're in that group. But again, we're talking about crushing the lives, hopes, education, and emotions of the kids and grandkids in exchange for avoiding this this, uh, chance. 80 plus, there's about a 36% chance of hospitalization. One third. One third. And a little, well, a a 28% chance of death. Which, again, you'd be thinking, okay, this might be how it ends. But it's not even 30%. And we are crushing the economy and... The threat is ongoing. We need to learn to live with this. You hate Trump. I get that. But when he says, listen, we have to be brave. We can't let this dominate our lives. He is 100% correct. Now, they are absolutely pissing their pants on MSNBC and CNN over that statement and and making bizarre uh, uh, misstatements about what the president, oh, so we're supposed to not worry about it or go get it. No, no. Don't let it dominate your life. Be smart, but live your life. We are so ill-served by our media. I swear to God, I am a First Amendment religious fanatic. But there are days I'd like to shut it down. Wow. Ooh, Mussolini. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. If Kim Jong-il somehow mated with Dracula, their demonic spawn, the leering, blood-serping incubus they created, would still be less awful, less harmful to this nation than a video of Donald Trump assuring you that everything is going to be okay in the end. That's how bad it was. (laughs) Tucker was brilliant last night. He was mocking what I was mocking earlier. I tip my cap. That's some fine mockery of uh, the CNN and MSNBC crowd melting down over the president daring to say, hey, have some courage. We can live with this thing. Let's forge ahead with our life. How dare he? How dare he? I wonder if we'll... we'll Fear, submission, and and dependence is the rallying cry of the left. It makes me sick. I wonder what's going to emerge media-wise out of all this stuff over time. It's going to be a slow change. Um... Like after the printing presses uh, came around, I've, I've told this story before, and the witch hunts and all that, it took it took years for everything to shake out. Um, I wonder what's going to happen, because right right now, the, the, most people aren't watching or paying attention to any of these stories. The, the stuff that cable news talks about and Twitter gets crazy about, the vast majority of people aren't paying any attention to whatsoever. Right. They, they glance at the TV, oh, he's out of the hospital. That's it. That's their whole story for the day on that. Mm. That's the whole thing. Mm-hmm. No long lectures, discussions about it. Just that—that's the way normal people live. Yeah. And I wonder, will will news sources emerge that serve that the, the vast majority of people who are those people? Twitter's not people. Not they are people, but they're not most people. And I, then you've seen the stats that even in Twitter, which most people aren't on Twitter, but even in Twitter, it's like two percent that are all the tweets. Yes. Yeah, that's an interesting question. That would uh, deserve an entire show. And the cable news shows we play clips from and everything like that, they get a couple hundred thousand, most of these shows watching. The really popular ones get a million. So it's just, you know. Probably because most of them blow. (laughs) 
So uh, I'm a golfer. You like the game? I do. Uh, there's a uh, golf course outside of Denver, Evergreen Golf Course. I've never had the pleasure. I've played a few courses in that area, but uh, you got the high altitude. You get a couple extra yards on your shots. Oh, That's always least, a good time. Yeah, I think please. I have played there for some reason. Evergreen Golf I've, Course. I think so. It could be. It's um. It just says it's outside Denver. Like you know, they don't bother to name the towns in the suburbs of Denver, but um, <laughs> evidently they have elk roaming about. Uh, on this golf course from time to time, and uh, these Sounds guys, these, it does sound lovely and, and scenic. But uh, a, a buddy of mine's uh, a hunter. He goes up like once a year with some some pals up in the mountains of Montana, I think, or I can't remember hunting for elk with bows and arrows. And he said one of the reasons it's so intense is they are giant animals that could absolutely bend you in half and kill you. Um, and what so, if they sense that I am not here to harm them? Easy woodland creature. <laughs> I tell you what, Sean, why don't you bring along a cameraman? You give that a try. We'll post that video at armstrongyegetty.com. Oh, you, you didn't even get to see the hand gesture Sean has that goes along with that. Oh, yeah. I, I, it <laughs> to was assure very, the beast that it, he means him no harm. It's like he was freaking Gandalf over there. I am not your enemy, my woodland friend. <laughs> you shall not pass. So between the 16th and 17th hole, these fellows are, are playing, and a bull elk charged the golf cart that one Zach Bornhoft was riding in with a friend. My buddy gassed it to get away. The elk gored me on my right side, he said. The back of Bornhoff's right hip was gouged so deeply. Brace yourselves, friends. Mm, right. His right hip was, hip was gouged so deeply, his left kidney was sliced in half. That's going to leave a mark. Woodland friend! How is he going to hurt you? <laughs> a spokesperson for Denver I ran Parks. into an elk at a bar. I woke up in a tub full of ice with my kidneys <laughs> sliced in half. And a note. <laughs> just a hoof print. A spokesman for Denver Parks and Rec said this is the first goring of a golfer in at least 15 years. Uh, so they <laughs> got to update the sign. <laughs> fifteen yeah. years since last last elk goring. <laughs> exactly. Ah, we got to take down to fifteen and put the zero back. Back up. down to zero. Where's the zero? <laughs> uh there's there are signs posted around the golf course warning golfers to stay away from the elk. Now these guys apparently weren't doing anything wrong, but I I myself am kind of a fan of people being gored by beasts that they get too close to yeah. to take their stupid selfies. Easy woodland creature, that's my favorite thing of the day. That is <laughs> fabulous. Calm yourself. And oh, then boy. this story uh, from our, our nation's prisons in a font so tiny. I it, come on, Sean, do better. No, I think I can read it. Why does a printer have the ability to print that small? That's what I don't get. I can't imagine. Um, two former detention officers and their supervisor were charged Monday after an investigation found inmates at the Oklahoma County Jail were forced to listen to the popular children's song, Baby Shark. On a loop. This is Eddie Van Halen here. At loud volumes. For extended periods of time. See that? Don, don, that's Eddie Van Halen. It is? Yeah. Yeah, he wrote that. Daddy shark, do, 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 Daddy it's Sammy Hagar, right? It's <laughs> funny, it doesn't sound like it. No wonder people don't like Van Hagar. This was them. David Lee Roth would have sung this song. Grandpa Shark, do, 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 do
there's a certain sameness to the verses. Yeah. So they put this on a loop loud and played it over and over again at the inmates. At least four inmates were subjected, subjected to the inhumane discipline uh, in November and December, according to the charge. They're forced to stand the entire time, hands cuffed behind them, secured to the wall. That doesn't sound nice. Uh, the DA charged them with misdemeanor counts of cruelty to a prisoner and conspiracy. Uh, you can get charged with conspiracy for about anything if there's more than one of you, right? Hmm. Cruel and unusual punishment, Jack, as we've discussed many times on this show. Uh, the Constitution, and frankly, if I could have gotten in Madison's ear, I would have uh, suggested a bit of an edit, but too cruel or unusual. But, I mean, if somebody is beaten to death by clowns, that is cruel and unusual. But if the state of, say, Oklahoma declares henceforth anyone convicted of a capital offense will be beaten to death by clowns. Now it's merely cruel, but it is usual. Mm-hmm. And it seems like an odd standard. On the other hand, if you're, I don't know, hanged by, you know, the state uh, queen, Miss Oklahoma, that would be unusual. But it's not cruel if hanging is not cruel. So, again, as a standard, it's kind of problematic. What do these guys do to deserve the baby sharking? (laughs) Of course, the liberal media doesn't want you to know that. Maybe they're suitcase and cell phones. I sound like... uh, uh, Lisa Williams or Jenny Williams. What's her no, name? Wendy, Wendy Williams. Wendy, that's it. Oh, President Trump, don't be afraid of Cornova. <laughs> she says Cornova not once but twice. How at this point could you not know how to say the dis-ease? Coronavirus! That's right, Cardi. She says it once for each enormous boob. <laughs> she is a professional talker, by the way. That was yeah. strange and sexist. There. She is oddly Chain shaped. Chain Mr. Armstrong to the wall and play Baby Shark at him for hours. Um, a bunch of the top, better than that damn cars for kids song. A bunch of the top <laughs> doctors in the world got together and signed off on a letter this week that should be like earth shattering news. Should yes. be everybody's aware of it and discussing it. News you're unaware of it at all. I haven't come across it anywhere except the editorial page of the Wall Street Journal. Well, by golly, you're going to hear it in a moment. Yeah, we'll pass that along to you. It's 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 more along the lines of what you've been thinking about the coronavirus. Stay tuned. Armstrong and Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. I got some Eddie Van Halen stuff for our podcast today, which we call One More Thing, which you can find at armstrongandgetty.com. Oh, that's great. You know, the last one or two we've done where we geeked out on music, people have really enjoyed. Oh, really? At least some people have. The people who enjoyed it enjoyed it. Right. Well, then those who don't just can turn it off. That's true. You know? You try to please everyone. You know who you please, Jack? I'll give you one guess. Um, Some people? Hmm. I don't know. Why won't the media listen? Doesn't do you any good is the point. From the op-ed section of the Wall Street Journal. Don't go chasing waterfalls. What? (laughs) Why won't the media listen to these scientists? Prize-winning biologists versus compelling narratives. You probably don't know this. I didn't know this. And I take in more news than the average person. But this isn't making the rounds anywhere. 
This week, dozens of esteemed medical experts with blue-chip academic credentials published a warning about the destructive policies adopted to address COVID-19 worldwide. It was uh, published over the weekend, and you haven't heard about it. It's called the Great Barrington Declaration. More than a thousand, that's a lot, biological scientists, more than 1,500 medical practitioners have added their names to the petitions. It's if been... I might, I just checked the update. Um, in fact, let me update the update. It is now well into the thousands of medical and public health scientists and medical practitioners. Thousands. It's been almost entirely ignored by the media outlets that spend much of their day presenting themselves as a, the, as obedient to science. So it's not like it, it's not like um, when you know uh, we were into Benghazi, but the channels aren't talking about it. No, they're talking about this subject all day. Right. They talk about almost nothing but COVID, but they never got around to the thousands of top scientists around the world that have signed on to this letter. And it was put together originally by a guy from Oxford, Stanford, and Harvard coming from the the left and the right. And their main point is we're doing so much damage beyond what is um, uh, reasonable to deal with COVID. I think the opening couple of sentences are power-packed. Oh, from the actual letter? Yeah. I've been skipping around. Go ahead. As infectious disease epidemiologists and public health scientists, we have grave concerns about the damaging physical and mental health impact of the prevailing COVID-19 policies and recommend an approach we call focused protection. Coming from both the left and right and around the world, we have devoted our careers to protecting people. Current lockdown policies are producing devastating effects on short and long-term public health. The results, to name a few, include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular disease outcomes, fewer cancer screenings, and deteriorating mental health, leading to greater excess mortality in years to come, with the working class and younger members of our society carrying the heaviest burden. Keeping students out of school is a grave injustice. And they go on in that vein. Yeah, getting into some of the numbers of it. Um, the collateral damage from government lockdowns include lower childhood vaccination rates, worsening cardiovascular outcomes. Okay, we just said that. Um, I had the actual number here earlier. Okay. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention estimates that there have been almost 100,000 non-COVID excess deaths this year. Almost 100,000, including the 40-some-thousand from cardiovascular conditions, 11,000 from diabetes, 3,700 from cancer. Many are due to government shutdowns of non-essential medical care. So if you have 200,000 people die from COVID, but 100,000 die kind of because of the COVID reaction, in addition to the economic damage done, right. and the kids not learning, and right. everything else, it's hard to make the argument that that's a win. Uh, a it only is if you are fixated entirely on COVID-19 and ignore everything else. Keeping these measures in place, the, the, the shutdown measures, schooling, everything else, keeping these measures in place until a vaccine is acceptable, I'm sorry, is available, will cause irreparable damage with the underprivileged disproportionately harmed. And, you know, for the Nancy Pelosi crowd, we talked about this earlier, it, it's, it's, um, it's become a, okay, Trump is for loosening up the restrictions, so we have to be against it. And that's the way all our politics work now. Of course. And if, if Trump's for it, you got to be against it. Unless you're a Trump fan, then you're for it no matter what. Um, everybody has, has done away with critical thinking. But the party that supposedly is so concerned about the underprivileged and the poor and the people that don't have access to this and that, they're making the point in this letter signed on by thousands of scientists that it's the underprivileged that are harmed the most. 
the people that can afford t- tutors for their kid like I did last year or can get into a school where they're doing in in classroom teaching like I did this year, people that can afford that are doing it. Right. It's the people that can't afford it that are getting screwed. And, yeah. the, and the really rich, they're going to be damaged by this, but they're not going to lose their business forever. Like the immigrant dry cleaner or whoever. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. I'm looking at the three scientists who started this thing. Dr. Martin Kulldorff, professor of medicine at Harvard, a biostatistician, epidemiologist with expertise in detecting and monitoring infectious disease outbreaks and vaccine safety evaluations. Dr. Sunetra Gupta at Oxford, epidemiologist with expertise in immunology, vaccine development, and mathematical modeling. Of I'm infectious- following the science. I'm listening to the experts. No, you're not. Wait a minute. No leader would ever say something so stupid in the face of what we're talking about. Anybody who's saying, I'm following the science, I'm listening to the experts, Gavin Newsom in California or uh, Cuomo in New York or Nancy Pelosi and his people, you're just full of crap. Right. You are full of crap. You're You're choosing the experts that agree with your politics, but you're not listening to all the experts. Right. And you're certainly not taking in the full panoply of threats and... And problems with this. And and finally, the third guy is Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, professor at Stanford Medical School, physician, epidemiologist, health economist, and public health policy expert focusing on infectious diseases and vulnerable populations. These guys are some of the all-time heavyweights in the field saying you're not looking at all of the risks. And in all the news I've taken in, I haven't seen this anywhere. How is that possibly true? We have more media than we've ever had, yet we let something like this just slide by? It's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient. I say final. You say thoughts. Final. Final. Thoughts. We tried to get Eddie Van Halen to play on that track, and he, he told us to go to hell. That was, short. that was Alex on the drums. Yes. You can get him for a cup of coffee. Oh, yeah. Here's your host for Final Thoughts, Joe Getty. Let's get a final thought from everybody on the crew to wrap up this particular album of nonsense. Michelangelo presses the buttons in the control room. Michael, final thought. Yeah, today I learned a lot about Eddie Van Halen. I didn't realize he couldn't read music, and I'm fascinated by people who just play by ear. To me, that's just an amazing gift. Uh, Yeah, yep. Uh, Positive Sean, final thought. Yeah, against my better judgment, I think I'm actually going to watch the VP debate tonight. <laughs> I don't know why. I guess I just enjoy pain. Yeah. Something could happen. Jack, <laughs> a final thought you'd like to offer to the, the good folks? So I mentioned to my son, and I mentioned on Twitter yesterday, uh, don't smoke. Eddie Van Halen smoked his whole life, had all kinds of cancers related to it. It killed him younger than he should have died. Uh, and somebody responded on the Twitter, well, would you pass up that rock and roll lifestyle for 20 more years of life? Here's the deal. You can have both. Yes. You can have both if you want. Don't smoke and be the world's greatest guitar player. You can do both. I'm not going to say that was a moronic comment, but it's certainly bordered on uh, Dumbville. <clears throat> Uh, my final thought is a correction. We played on yesterday's One More Thing podcast, the new version of God Bless the USA, that featured a bunch of U.S. veterans. I said it was entirely veterans. A couple of people have pointed out that the acapella band Home Free was a singing on the record, along with a bunch of veterans. Okay. It's still soul-stirring and very cool. Uh, I only mention that because I guess the band Home Free has some really, really cool music that you might enjoy, and they are patriots. And there's a new Lee Greenwood version of... Proud to be an American? Is that what it's well, called? Well, it's a, uh, God Bless the USA. God Bless the with, USA. With the called. band Home Free mm-hmm. taking the lead. Yes, right. but it's fantastic. 
Uh, Eddie Van Halen ever get together with Lee Greenwood? I don't think so. Uh, not that I'm aware of. Armstrong and Still Getty. checking the record. <laughs> Wrapping up another grueling four-hour workday. So many people thank so little time. Go to armstrongandgetty.com. We have all sorts of links. We have a link to this, uh, what's it called? The Great Barrington Declaration. Send it to everyone you know. The link is at armstrongandgetty.com. Plus all of the podcasts downloadable for free there at armstrongandgetty.com. Joe and Sean are going to watch the debate. I'm not. I'll take in a lot of the coverage afterwards, though. I always look for the, the best comments and tweet them out. We'll have them for you tomorrow. See you then. God bless America. If I had taken lessons and learned by the book, I would not play it all the way I do. Instead of reading a book, I wrote my own. Because of the things that I created technique-wise and whatever the way I play, they had to reinvent a whole new way to write music because they could not explain with regular notes what I was doing with this hand. So they had to create a whole new thing called tablature. It's something that if you're a musician, you just play until the day you die. You know, it's not like, you know, I can't wait to turn 65 and retire. It's not an ordinary job. You play music, you don't work it. But at times it can be hard work to be able to play it. Happy trails to you. Tell me.